All right. All right. Okay. Are, we, are we good? Yep. Yeah. I'm already up to one megabyte. We are Dang. so good. Okay. Maybe we might have to back I off hope. of maximum quality. I don't uh, know. We'll see how it goes. They've been in business for seven years and they still don't know what they're doing. I guess the podcast seemed natural. Here's Founder Quest. <laughs> that should be. I've got a terabyte in here, so hopefully we'll yeah. be okay. Now, now you're glad you bought the big disc. <laughs> yeah, so I can podcast for like an hour without exactly. <laughs> crashing my computer. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, I have been up since four o'clock. Ida woke up at four and decided she wasn't sleeping anymore. Ouch. So I may, I may lean a bit on you guys for things like uh, making sense. I, I've been up since 1.30. Because no, come uh, on, Ben. <laughs> oh, damn, Ben. You always have to one up me. All right. So, um, you guys recently um, went to RailsConf. You came back, thankfully. Um, you weren't uh, lured away by all those, um, I don't know. <laughs> this is what I mean when I say I'm tired. Uh, yeah. So, you guys went to RailsConf and uh, we did like get distracted by elixir along the way and <laughs> today's gonna be the yeah. punch drunk podcast <laughs> yes yes it is oh man you guys recently came back from RailsConf. i was here um editing i was here like in my little home office not at RailsConf, uh editing the show um all my lonesome i'm feeling pretty lonely and wistful and now you guys are back and i'm so happy you know the best thing about RailsConf was you didn't, what? you didn't have to step outside to go to it <laughs> because of all the, yeah, uh, that was, the sky that was bridges cool. there. We, mm -hmm. we stayed in the conference yeah. hotel, which was like three blocks away from the conference center. But yet we walked through a sky bridge all the way there. Yeah. It was so handy. This was in, uh, in Minneapolis, Minneapolis yeah. right? You know, yeah. like, I think that's a theme. I don't think I've been outside at, like at any of the Rails comps I've gone to. Really? Uh, really? No. No, and like even like Atlanta didn't go outside. Tried to tried to walk someplace for like lunch. Let me tell you, you don't walk to places for lunch in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, you get in your yeah. you get in your um, Escalade. Yeah, I did a lot of walking yeah, around we, outside we, in Kansas City. So, yeah. how many Rails comps have um, have you guys been to? Oh wow! Like I've been to um, I think three or four. I think I've been to two. I've spoken at two. Yeah, I think because I didn't go to RailsConf for a really long time because I went to RubyConf every year. Yeah. And uh, I just never got to RailsConf um, until I think Phoenix was my first year at RailsConf. Was it because you were trying to be one of those like hipsters who's like, I don't do Rails. I'm, I'm a Rubyist. Yeah, I don't do I don't do Rails. Like I just just tell me about garbage collection. OK, yeah. yeah, I think I've been to about eight of them. You went to like the first one, right? Yeah, well, there's actually two first ones. Uh, <laughs> well, that's confusing. Yeah, funny story. So uh, the first official RailsConf was Chicago, uh, but the first international RailsConf happened before the first official RailsConf. And the first international RailsConf happened in uh, Vancouver, Canada. So it, funny story. Uh, I was on Twitter recently, and I was looking at the hashtag RubyFriends. And someone had posted the schedule from like the very first RailsConf. And I'm like looking at all the, all the names because it's kind of nostalgic. It's like people that you that are extremely well known now, like all these different people. Um, and whose name do I come across as one of the speakers at the very first RailsConf, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Ben Curtis. Um, and that was like, yeah, that was, yeah, uh, that was, that was, that was cool. fun. Like, uh, so the, the first RailsConf, the official one in Chicago was the second technical conference I had attended. And the first one was that first international RailsConf, which happened a few months earlier. And what happened was I went to that, uh, one in Vancouver and I was sitting there listening to the presentations and they were great presentations. DHH has his famous picture from that one. 
Uh, and David A. Black spoke and talking about how uh, Ruby was this calm, peaceful language, and it was it was awesome. And I thought, you know what? I could do that. I could get up there and talk about stuff, just like they're getting up yeah. there and talking about stuff, right? And so I submitted my proposal for the first RailsConf and actually got in. I was shocked, but yeah, it was it was pretty cool. So one of the things I like to talk about today is like the um, the technical community around Ruby and just you know tech in general has changed a lot. Like what what year was like the first one? Was that like two thousand and? That'd been two thousand six. Yeah, that's about the time I started sort of getting into web development and, you know, into Rails. And I mean, things have changed a lot just in, I mean, not even just in the the actual technologies, but in the ethos, right, around that. So, like, what I mean by that is back then, like in 2006, we still had a lot of this sort of um, hacker in the basement ethos Um you know, I, I think uh, why the lucky stiff, um, who is this sort of like absurdist character, like like nobody actually knew his name. I mean, some people knew it, but it was kind of supposed to be a mystery. He was this, mm-hmm. you know, merry prankster who made Ruby tutorials that were really cartoons. Yeah, it had this very sort of like this, this, it really captured the vibe of this sort of like chaotic um uh, uh, anarchistic tech scene that was was existed sort of back around the the early aughts, and now mm-hmm. I feel like we're um, I feel like in general tech has has moved on to a, a sort of a more corporatist mode. Like now, uh, open source projects like are I mean we've got like React is run by Facebook. We've got um, you know the big languages are all sponsored by you know Google and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, like, how has RailsConf changed, you guys think? Do you think it sort of mirrored this um, this changing technology in general? Or is it is it still sort of plotting its own crazy, weird course? I think, like, I was going to ask, do you think kind of that, that quirky, uh, fun side of tech that we had back then, and to some extent, I think, in Ruby, probably still do today, do you think that was kind of specific to tech in general, or was that specific to Ruby? Was that more of a Ruby I thing? I think it existed sort of a lot more in tech in general. Um like you had yeah. the sort of uh, character in society and culture of like this, this sort of uh, unwashed. <laughs> okay. Where am I going? <laughs> this sort of, you know, um, th- this rogue, this, um, this person who doesn't respect authority yeah. and he goes off and does these weird sort of genius offbeat things and brings them back to society. I mean, we had like wired, yeah. like, wi- like the original wired um, around, uh, you know, before it got bought out and, and cannibalized and whatever uh, the original wired had that same, feel to it yeah okay so i get what you're saying so and you're saying like now um like uh like what's his face now now that what's his face is running for president the guy that used to be in like the the cult of oh, the beto. dead cow yeah. or, or whatever yeah so beto so so you're saying like beto you know he is kind of like that guy back then and now now like that guy is running for president and it's like mainstream yeah you can say that. that's a great sort of that's a great sort of analogy <laughs> well, the, the generation that was fighting the man has now become the man i think i think there are uh definite arguments for both that tech in general, like Star is talking about, and also the Ruby community in particular, because, uh, you know, in 2005, 2006, the Ruby community was, even though it had been around for a while, especially in Japan, it was still very small uh, and not, especially not well known in the US, right? And so the the Ruby conf occasions that had happened before RailsConf had started, those were typically small affairs, and there were a bunch of people who knew each other really well because it was a pretty tight-knit community. And there was space in the room for people like Y and that kind of that kind of fun, right? Even though, at the same time, in the tech industry, at writ large, you had 
things like the Java community, which was like completely different because it was very corporate, right? And Sun and the the no stuff, just, mm-hmm. the no fluff, just stuff conferences, and you know all those big corporatey things, right? Were happening at the same time. Yeah. I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, those aren't those weren't ever yeah. even on my radar, so I probably discount them a little too much. So I guess you had yeah, two but sides. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Star. I think in, in general, over the past you know 15 years, the, there has been a lot of co-opting of the space that we grew up in by the bigger corporations. Well, I mean, like you mentioned Facebook with React and things like that. I mean, like Facebook is a great example mm-hmm. because it didn't exist, right? At the beginning of the time period we're talking about and has yeah. grown up to be this huge influence on society as a whole. Well, and then and now you see even like like Microsoft now is is into increasingly into open source and web web tech. So um, I think even they've been getting into React a lot and, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of an interesting uh, shift. Like you have the behemoth of whatever the past is now, you know, coming into and yeah is it microsoft making a bit big bet on uh, react native for windows like didn't i see a big announcement about that recently i believe so yeah yeah they've built um they built a lot of like i think all of their office suite is built on on react already oh i didn't Um, know that and uh and i think i think um like yeah like the web version or whatever at least and i think the native version yeah runs the same thing um but i know that yeah i think that i have heard that they are interested in um doing more native things with a web stack can I just have a non sequitur, a uh, sort of um, web versus native non sequitur? Sure. Because this is an interesting point because we talked in a past show about um, how we all love Notion um, for taking notes and collaborating and stuff. And I, I was using that for my personal sort of writing notes, which I don't share with you guys um, because secrets. And then, Josh, you mentioned you're using an app called Bear, um, which is a, uh, mm-hmm. it's a native um, note-taking app that, you know, it's it's for the Mac ecosystem, right? And, you know, iPhone and all that. And so I started using that and I, I use them both now. And I'm just like, oh my God, the native experience for note taking is so much better. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Maybe the collaboration aspects are a little bit better on Notion. I haven't tried those out in Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even with a very highly polished web application like Notion, there's like I, you run into glitches, you run into weird UI glitches yeah. that, and maybe it's just cause I'm on, you know, uh, Linux half the time or whatever. It's just like the, the native app has such a feeling of solidity to it. I was like, this is like, this, this yeah. really exists. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're writing in a notion, I mean, you're, you're still just writing into like some, you know, hidden, whatever text input with a ton of JavaScript running behind it to like, you know, pull out and do like, you know, app mentions and all the other features that they have in there. Um, and I think that, yeah, like that still adds like some hidden overhead that you don't, maybe it's not like you can't see it um, all the time, but I think it's like subtly percept, like you can perceive it subtly, basically. So tangent ended. I just wanted to 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 take that uh, little side note to plug bear because it's really, it's a nice yeah. app for writing. Yeah, I like it too. It's, yeah, I don't, does it even, I don't think it does collaboration stuff. It's kind of like sing, single purpose. Oh, which, I don't know. I, I haven't yeah. tried it. I haven't looked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's been really interesting to see this change in um, sort of tech and development. And it's, it kind of, I'm a little bit torn because like, first of all, like I got, like, I kind of love the whole like DIY scrappy, uh, you know, why way of doing things. Like it, it broke my heart when he sort of like quit the web and uh, start, you know, and killed his alternate persona or whatever it was. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, it seems like the nature of programming is 
kind of changing. It's like no longer so much a individual um, sport played by um, people by themselves. It's more of a team thing, right? It's much more social. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like the people getting into development now, which I think is great, like a lot more different type of people are getting into development than just um, nerdy white boys who needed some like way to escape reality in their teenager years. So they, you know, learned to program computers. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. more just sort of normal people coming in. And I don't know. I, I think it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. And it's, but it's just interesting how it's changing things. Like I, I don't think it's necessarily bad. It's just like, I mourn a little bit for the way things used to be, but I think that's just maybe uh, uh, an aspect of being human. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just that it's going mainstream. So it's like everyone's interested in it, including the, you know, large corporations and, and the entire world. And it's not like the small close knit community, like interest community of people that it used to be where, you know, you could find your people and it's like, you know, you're all super excited about web development. Like there's, I mean, like, I don't even know if you can be excited about like the entirety of web development anymore with all the different um, ways to do it and different technologies and stuff. Like it's uh, everyone, it seems like everyone's kind of in their little, their little like part of the industry even. seems like a, uh, it's a side effect of, you know, software eating the world. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> I have a hard time believing that anybody starting out th- these days could have a complete grasp of everything involved in web development. That's, that's a pretty tall order. But, you know, uh, Searles, he gave a great talk on this topic at RailsConf. Uh, his talk was entitled The Selfish Programmer. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's it was. What's it about? I wasn't going to watch it because I'm not selfish. <laughs> but he's advocating for how you should be. So, yeah, so this presentation, uh, you can find it on the interwebs. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. But the whole point was, like, yes, we do spend a lot of time building software in teams these days. The selfish programmer just does things for fun and just does things for himself or herself. And mm-hmm. when you think about that, you can, like, oh, you can have a little more liberty. You can have a little more fun with what you're doing. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about that a little bit, I think, after the talk. Like, uh, I think both of us have kind of felt a little bit like, you know, we used to just kind of program for fun and, and like get an idea and get all excited about it and just like hack on it all weekend or something. Um, just because we could. And, um, and these days it's much more like, you know, is what, what's the ROI on this? And and am I going to, you know, what's my business plan for this thing before I, you know, even start, you know, like whatever, create my gem file or something. And it's, you know, that's, that's great. I mean, like if you've got it, if you've got it like starting a business and you know, that's, that has its place, but also, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun to just kind of like, you know, start hacking on something because you because you love it or because you're just super excited about it and you want the thing that you're yeah just because you have a business doesn't mean you can't do like personal development and personal growth and explore that stuff it just like not every single thing you do has to be a part of the business yeah um even if you're doing it during work hours because you know like like learning counts yeah i think for me like a big factor in that is that uh that work hours um, like I have much less time in non-work hours oh anymore yes. to do that stuff. And, um, I, having children is pretty much the, um, the source of that problem. But yeah, I realized like it would be a lot easier to just, you know, hack on something for a weekend if I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, the two little kids that I, that I have to entertain. Yeah. If I had a time machine, I would go back and I would just shake myself <laughs> and say, you are wasting so much time. You have no idea how good you have it. <laughs> 
Like in the future, yeah. you're going to have about like, I don't know, six hours a day to do everything that doesn't involve like, <laughs> like appeasing a three-year-old. Yeah. So I've, I've had to get much more serious about optimizing my, you know, time and, and being productive. And uh, unfortunately, like a lot of the, the fun hack projects kind of get cut out and, you know, go by the wayside. But I think I'm going to try to kind of work a little more time probably during my work days now, to be honest, is like the only time that that's going to happen. But I think you can still yeah, you do should. that. When you own the company, you definitely can do that, right? <laughs> uh, maybe that's <laughs> yeah. a call for it's time to have another hack week. Yeah, yeah. The hack week was so much fun um, that we did earlier. We talked about mm-hmm. that on the first episode of the podcast, but we basically, uh, we took a long vacation for Christmas and then we came back and we didn't go back to work. We took another week off and worked on an Elixir project that we just wanted to build. So yeah, that was so much fun. And, um, I hadn't done that in a really long time. Yeah. I'm game. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we can talk about that (laughs) or we can just on a Friday declare next week is hack week. You're acting. This is crazy. (laughs) This is not on our quarterly (laughs) podcast. Go back and listen to our systems episode (laughs) because I think, I think we're diverging a little bit. You know what? We could just right. bust out Vim and start right now. Yeah, you guys are freaking <laughs> out. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, like Justin's talk was—it was super. It, it was really inspiring, and um, I think uh, if if you're a developer who is experiencing some burnout or like the slog is really getting on you, it's not quite as fun as it used to be. Go check out his talk and think about whether. A little break from the norm might be helpful. Give you some variety in your life, and yeah, if that doesn't work, just like like quit your jobs, just like leave. You know, just like set it, <laughs> set it on fire, like burn some bridges. You only live once, YOLO. Just take that stapler. Yeah, I mean, like how many of us know? Like, I imagine, I don't know for certain, but I imagine that like throwing a Molotov cocktail would be extremely satisfying. Just like, you know, you, you chuck it just yeah, at the, the main frame, frame. You chuck it, you get to hear it break. <laughs> and then I imagine it has kind of a whooshing yeah. sound. And then there's the smell of the melting exactly. plastic. As, exactly. as long as you disable the fire suppression system before you do that, I think you're fine. Because <laughs> otherwise, otherwise you're dead. <laughs> do we need to have like our attorney listen to this before we, before we ship it? Like, is there some sort of like liability issue here? <laughs> this is do not legal to, advice. Like, we are not your lawyers. Maybe we should have maybe we should have Barney like read a disclaimer yeah, at the end do of not the, do this at home. <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Use at your own risk. Man, I, I'm fed up with with the sort of capitalist imperialist system. So I'm 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 doubling down here. <laughs> revolutionary. That's yeah. You're that's yes, revolutionary. Um, I'll be I'll be um, sitting here um, in my nice Texas. residential neighborhood in Seattle, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll just bring you my my hot revolutionary takes. Mm-hmm. So like, to be honest, when I first got into Ruby, I got into Ruby like around, it was like late 2009 or something, I think when I finally, like I was interested in it before then, but I didn't get into it professionally until I had the opportunity to take on a client that was using Ruby and it was a perfect opportunity to, to learn. Um, but then I started working with you guys and um, I honestly did not know who Y was at that point. I think it was right around the time that he actually left, left the community. Um, 
So what what were remind me what, her, what some of his uh, projects like from back before then like what what were the projects that made him uh... for me wise poignant guide to Ruby like it, it was eye opening like I I had to reread it a few times to really understand it because wow it was pretty mind blowing but it was mm-hmm. fantastic like and really for me was a great introduction to Ruby and and to why I would care about Ruby and he had another project he had several projects that he did. And these are still online, by the way, I think. So some of these, you can go, you can go check yeah, when, them out when he, still. When he, when he burned his account to the ground, y, other people like, cloned the stuff really quickly before it all evaporated. But um, so the yeah. poignant guide, totally recommend it. Anybody wants to read, like Chunky Bacon is awesome. Uh, he also did camping, which was like mm-hmm. a, a, a mini framework in one Ruby file. So it was, it was, was kind of like a Sinatra kind of thing, but like one, one file. And it had all this crazy, crazy code in it. And then there was shoes, which was like a UI thing. A lot of fun, wacky experiments. Yeah, his uh, software and projects, to me, like they're almost more about, they're almost more like art projects. They're meant to make you be like, oh my God, what is happening right now even? Extreme creative element to them. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I know he got a lot of like crap for like writing bad code or whatever by, you know, Aaron Patterson and <laughs> people who came in later. But, you know, Aaron Patterson is, hasn't made me as happy as, as why made me. So um, who's the winner there? Well, I think everyone's still a winner with uh, with why and Aaron Patterson in the same community. <laughs> in my head, I, I really hope Aaron doesn't listen to this podcast. But <laughs> in my head, like Aaron developed this really kooky um, internet persona with all the, you know, jokes and stuff as sort of like atonement for having um sort of bad mouth why <laughs> but I'm, i don't think i think we should we should get aaron we should get aaron on the podcast man we gotta be, i i want to work this yeah, out between gonna, you guys yeah. i'm gonna psychoanalyze this person <laughs> and, and who ruby I, I have like exchanged like two words with in my life um, who doesn't know me from adam well, I I will say that I love that's one of the things I really love about the Ruby community is is the are, are the personalities that you get um, and and like Ben said like kind of just the um, not goofy but yeah just quirky um, uh, you know doing things just because it's you know creative and fun and totally and one thing that surprised me that you guys uh, came back with from RubyConf is that they asked people to like raise their hands who were who was their first RubyConf. And it was a lot of people. Yeah, it was right? at least half the room that was new or there for the first time. I was. Oh, I say Ruby Conf. I meant Rails right. Conf. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. I was not expecting yeah. that many people. It could even I was two thirds. A good look, but it was. It was a lot. It was a lot. We have this like narrative that yeah. Rails is dying and going away and stuff, and that seems to like belie that, doesn't it? I think that a lot of older people from Ruby have gone away. Um, but as we we've seen, like there's a, there's definitely new interest in it. Like it's not like interest is dying if half of RailsConf is uh is new are new to the community and um and RailsConf sold out. Yeah, they sell it every year, I think. You know, the other day uh, on Twitter, Tim Bray posted this tweet where he asked, you know, if I want to start a new web project today, what what should I do? What should I use? Like he's like I I I think it's probably Rails, but it's been so long, I should just ask. Like the responses that he got were like, yep, it's Rails. You know, some people are like, oh, I love React and, and this and that. But really, if you want the fastest way to get your project done, just use Rails because it works. And I think that's that's where we are. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's obviously not the new sexy anymore, 
but it's definitely matured to the point where it's it's a no-brainer choice for people who want to build apps on the web. And I think that continues to attract new people into the community, even as, I think Josh is right, even as the older people in some cases go off to greener pastures and go play with Elixir or something like that. Yeah, and like I think there's, like we said, that you know, there's a lot of different kinds of developers out there. And we've touched on this a little bit in past episodes where um, like not every popular open source project or popular even methodology or way of building web applications is built for everyone. So there's, you know, JavaScript is huge, um, but everyone uses JavaScript and, um, you know, from Facebook down to, you know, a solo Rails developer or something. Maybe, you know, all the employees at Facebook and Microsoft probably aren't going to RailsConf and getting excited about building like a, you know, a full stack web application. Um, But there's, still a lot of people out there that don't have the resources of the large companies and would like to just ship their own project quickly and efficiently and not have to like learn all the crazy things you have to learn basically to be part of a huge team building, um, you know, like rich web applications or something like that. So here's a question for you. When I started doing Rails um, for a long time, I was a freelancer, as we all were. It seemed like there was this huge um, ecosystem of freelancers doing Rails and small agencies because Rails is perfect for you know, a team of like one to three people to put out sites very quickly. I'm wondering, like, are there as many freelancers now as there used to be? Like, as things get more complicated, like, are there as many people out there sort of doing like the full stack web freelancing? Yeah, I think so. You know, we, uh, if you, yeah, if you cruise Upwork, I you'll find to tons of people who are. I, I don't know. I don't know about like, I don't know how much all of them are doing full stack. When Ben was freelancing 10 years ago, you know, he was he was building Rails applications for, um, you know, for like solo, a lot of solo people uh, or solo founders and that sort of thing that, you know, had an idea and wanted to build like a startup or something. Um, And you were doing basically the entire stack from, you know, start to finish. Um, I don't know if I don't I honestly don't know how much like how common that is anymore. Like as far as like solo freelancers, like I, I think a lot of people, a lot more people are learning to specialize um, just because things are so, so much wider, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I assume there's still a good number of people out there doing the full stack thing too. It definitely seems though that there are fewer of those small to mid-sized agencies that we knew back in the day. Yeah. That's just my feeling. Maybe I'm just not as them? connected with them because I'm not yeah. doing freelancing as much anymore, but I'm sorry. You cut out there for a second. Were you asking a question or anything? No, you cut out. No, I wasn't asking. Oh, well, <laughs> No, you you cut out. Yeah, well, you guys you guys cut out for me, so you both of you cut out. <laughs> Screw you! I quit. I quit the company. <laughs> I knew this podcast wasn't going to work. So I love the lunch sessions at the conferences. I love chatting, and we sat down with a couple of the guys from Weed Maps. Who they're they're a customer, right? They are a customer. Yes. And uh, so mm-hmm. we sat down with a couple guys from Remaps, and then some of their coworkers came and sat down with them. And lo and behold, there's Brian. And like Brian and I have known each other in the, because of the Rails community. Wow, uh, it's got to be 13, 14 years now. And uh, we haven't seen each other for like 10 yeah. years. And just because we haven't like been in the same place at the same time, but like we had that connection just because, hey, we're, you're still here and I'm still here. And and, and, and that was fun. Uh so, you know, meeting new people is great and seeing all new people coming in the community is great. And But there's still some of us old timers hanging around still, you know, got to represent for Caboose, you know, um, it's all good. Wait, what's Caboose again? So Caboose yeah. was this little, um, 
I guess, a click, little crowd of people who were involved in Ruby and Rails back around the two. Oh, okay, because it's a rail rail thing. Exactly, it's a exactly. Thing. Okay, it, the tail end it. of the train, right? It yep. It only takes me about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So we had a little IRC <laughs> channel where we'd help out people who were new to Rails, and which was like everybody at the time because Rails was new, right? Yeah. So a mm -hmm. lot of that crowd has moved on to other you know adventures, but uh, some of us are still kicking around. It's rare, yeah. Being like kind of a third party observer to that exchange was um, was fun because it was like watching Ben and uh, Brian. Who uh, he he did yeah. uh, was he did he do Rubinius was that his project um, yeah it was it was watching like like two Jedi's you know like <laughs> um, passing well, in the night he, or he whatever he is definitely the master <laughs> in this situation like he is way way beyond me as far as uh, skill but uh. well it's it's not often that you get two people in general that you know like have been around since the very beginning uh, kind of reminiscing about the you know the very the very first. Uh, good old days yeah they're gonna have to start like providing rocking chairs and peanuts i think at trails comps <laughs> just so you can have like the rocking chair track you can do some whitlin that would be a funny uh that would be a funny thing like we could yeah get just get we could just get a booth and put a rocking chair in it and put ben in there actually we were kind of talking about this in a in not you know in a strange way um but basically just like you know um, telling the telling the new people about the good old days, <laughs> sharing 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 stories and that sort of thing. I don't know if we'll actually have the rocking chair, but this is something that I'm kind of. Uh, this is what this podcast is turning <laughs> into. Like, well, I've toyed with the idea yeah. of actually making that a talk proposal for a Rails comp for Ruby comp. Like, you know, the history of and, you know, yeah. the good old days. And let me tell you about Mongrel, you know. Uh, oh, I saw a, uh, yeah, I saw a tweet yeah. about this from somebody who's like, I want to do a conference yeah. talk where it's like, let me tell you about BBS door games. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Justin Searles did a talk kind of like that um, with a lot of like throwbacks and, cool. and uh, history cool. in it, I think, a yeah. few years back. I think it was at a RubyConf, but it was really yeah. good as usual. Yeah, we're... Man, we're just gonna we're just like, you know, the the boomer is talking about going to like the sock hop and getting the malt. Well, I think the I think <laughs> and things were simpler back then, you know, like there weren't all these, you know, young people <laughs> with their hair and their, you know, pierced faces. One of the takeaways from this conversation, I think, should be if you haven't gone to a technical conference, especially a Ruby or a Rails conference, you should definitely consider it. It's a fantastic place to go and, and, and meet great people, uh, maybe develop some friendships that'll last for many years to come, uh, and, and, you know, learn some technical stuff as well. You know, one of the things that, that Josh and I were reflecting on while we were there is like, well, you know, some of the sessions we're just not that interested in because either we've heard it before or it's not really something that we're, we're into. Uh, and that's fine. Like, you don't have to feel like you have to be in school and, you know, sitting down for every, every seminar, right? But uh, but the people that we got to hang out with and the conversations that we had were, were fantastic. And so I think it's a great, great, uh, great use of your time. Like you in particular came back and you were all yeah. like fired up about conferences. So now we're going to sponsor some conferences again, aren't we? Well, well, the thing that, yeah, really stuck out to me about having so many new people there at that conference is like, oh, you know, they don't, they may not know who Honey Badger is. Yeah, so what we're doing uh, Southeast Ruby, like you said, you bought, you bought tickets for yeah. that one. I got, I got plane my plane ticket. Yeah, so when is that happening? It's going to be in yeah. August. Yeah, it's in Nashville, and then you know later in uh, what, November it's going to be in Nashville again. Right. It's going to be RubyConf. Yeah, right. a double nation. Yeah, it's really cool to see a, a new Ruby conference happening. One that's not. It's just like we're a Ruby conference. We're not, you know, trying to be hip. We're not like, I I don't know, polyglot 
programmer conference. Well, speaking of conferences, you know, yeah. Josh, we, we haven't told Star about our plan. He may or may... Oh, damn. He, oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to get like a real-time reaction reveal. shot. Here's the reveal. Yeah. reveal. Okay. <laughs> so so Josh and I want to do a conference. We want to have a we want to have a okay. honey badger conference that's badger ba- yeah conf. sure that's technical and business so kind of like microconf but an unconf you don't come for the presentations kind of kind of like yeah like you don't come for the presentations you just come to hang out with awesome people <laughs> and have good conversations about your business and about technology and stuff yeah more of a more of a hangout active well, we type talked thing about this in the versus, past uh, yeah, yeah, we did. We did talk about this a little bit. So where, where, yeah. uh, where is this? Where is this unconference going to happen? We got to do it in Seattle, of course. Yeah, because because I was going to say we should do it in Bend. Oh, Bend would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what I want to do, I want to like, so I want to charter a bus in Portland, um, and we can have like you know the meetup. People can fly into PDX and uh, and get on our bus, and then we'll we'll all take a a nice. It's like a two and a half hour bus ride. We can watch a movie or something and go out to bend which is kind of like high desert country um really pretty and kind of smallish town feel but um i think it would be a it would be an interesting place um that's where they used to do ruby on ales and it was one of my favorite uh conferences of all time but um yeah so maybe that's maybe i just want to <laughs> so we would do this in the winter so we can have an extra day yeah. of Ooh, that's a that's a good question i don't know because summers are nice up there but the snowboarding is uh i've heard well, i guess, is good I guess we'll have our listeners tweet at us so, and let us know if they yeah. would attend such a conference if we were to put it on uh where would they tweet tweet at founder quest right at founder quest that's right yeah that's we, we do have a twitter account we don't hype it nearly enough yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i like this idea wow a couple a couple of uh a couple of uh points just for people like me um i could only do so much much like togetherness um before like i need to to retreat and recharge if this is like a if this is like a boy scout like camping trip where you're together with the same people for like five days that's going to be very difficult for me and you're going to find me like i'm just going to end up sort of like painting myself with mud and running through the wilderness um, throwing sticks at people. Um, it's not going to be a good scene, guys. How about, how about two days? Uh, With private cabins. Oh, well, if I got my own cabin to retreat to, no. that's cool. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can do that. Um, so to go along with like your fire, your like snowboarding activities, might I recommend a like um, quiet fireside reading group? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think I think you have to have the, um, the the reading room, right? The library with the pillows and stuff, so you can just have some quiet. Time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like just just a little nod yeah. to like the people who aren't really extreme. I would tend to like. I think the way I do it is just make everything completely optional. Like just like, hey, these guys are going to snowboard. You want to? There you go. You yeah. Come? Or or you can hang out like at the fire or whatever. Like it's yeah. I I, I envision it being yep. extremely loose. Yeah, I'm liking this idea. Like, come, like, like you, you can do the snowboard, Josh. I'll, like, um, have a little yeah. hot chocolate station. I'll make people hot chocolate. They can sit around the fire and, um, yeah, you know, have have readings of, of poetry or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm not really that into poetry. I <laughs> feel like I should be. You'll recite you know, poetry. I'll recite my yeah. own poetry um, about my feelings. You know what's great for hot chocolate? An electric kettle. Um, uh, 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 cognac. 
You weren't going to say that. I know. Electric but. kettle. Electric kettle is awesome for hot chocolate. <laughs> you just put the mix in the cup, you pour your water in electric kettle, boom, hot chocolate. Oh, yeah, that's I true. I haven't told you guys about my kettle. No. We've, we've gone like one step beyond that. Like we ha- we've had an electric kettle for like coffee and stuff forever. Um, but yeah. a couple of years ago, I discovered that they have these, um, there's this company, uh, Zoji Rushi, I think, which is yep. Japanese. I'm probably pronouncing Great rice it wrong. Cookers. Yeah. Yeah, they Bread do makers. rice cookers, but they also do these, um, these electric kettles where it holds a gallon of water and it's essentially a gigantic thermos with a heating element inside. And so for about like five watts, um, which is much, much less than like any light bulb or whatever, it's maybe, it's maybe like a low energy, like LED light bulb. Um, you get, you get always on hot water to whatever temperature you need it. So it's amazing. It's it's one of those things where you should, where at first you're like, this is ridiculous, but then you just keep using it more and more and more. And like, I wish I would have had it when we had, um, Ida because like making formula and stuff, um, mm-hmm. you have to microwave. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Can you, uh, drop a link to that? Of in course our Slack I can. And maybe we can put it in the show notes too. Yeah. They make great, great bread machines. If you're in the market for one of those. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They, they're, I mean, they're pretty good all around. They make gonna... the, um, so I've been curious about their rice cookers because do, do you have one, Ben? No, we have a different brand, but yeah, I've seen them. Um, well, they always advertise that they have like neural networks in them do I, <laughs> and I'm like, what? do I need a neural network <laughs> like, to make is, my rice? That's, it's kind of, yeah. Why does a rice cooker need a neural network? Like what kind of crazy, <laughs> that's a, uh, it's hardcore. Like, what, like what's it doing in there? And also like, let me tell you, like, like they're not fooling me because they've been selling these things since the nineties, I think. So like, this can't be that. I mean, this isn't like, like technology has advanced a little bit. So you're selling me your nineties era neural network rice cooker. It's really, I'm going to, but apparently they cook really good rice. So who am I? Who am I? I'm not hmm. Japanese. Maybe it's their marketing term for a state machine. Yeah. Like maybe <laughs> if it's like, <laughs> It's, it's either, either on or off. It's either warm, it's warm, <laughs> cook, or off. <laughs> I mean, it, it has three decisions. We're getting, so, yeah. we're getting enough <laughs> listeners, and this is a nerdy enough thing. Maybe somebody actually knows like the deal behind the neural network and the that this rice cooker. And so if you do, let us know, and we'll we'll give you credit. We'll give you store credit <laughs> for towards yeah. future podcast episodes. Ah, well, what a wild ride it's been. So if you like this episode and you want to like help us out, if you want to keep us, you know, reminiscing about the good old days and our rocking chairs and and stuff, uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. We only accept five-star reviews. Um, And if you want to um, talk to us about why we only accept five-star reviews or if you have any questions or whatever, um, at FounderQuest is where we are on Twitter. And yeah, thank you guys. And we'll check you later. God, I got to work out this. See you next time. I got to work on this tagline business. <laughs> ThunderQuest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Funny Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word. 
you can access our huge back catalog or sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive VIP content. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.